This, this friend of mine, um, he's just an exceptional friend. And he, every time, if you were to go with me today to Lubbock and we walked into the bank where he is, one of the very first things he would tell you because he would be swearing up and down, I would never tell you this story. But he would tell you and anybody else that was standing with me, he said, when we were in high school playing football, the coach would tell Wayne he ran longer in, anyone, in one spot than anybody that would ever seen before. It took me so long to get off that line, the grass had grown. So he'd tell everybody that. And yes, he is my friend. We have that in life, don't we? We have uh, those times in which people are leaving us. They're leaving us temporarily here. But in life, you know, I was never the quickest guy to pick up the lessons, if you will. I never was up there at the front when uh, the scholars were being recognized. I told them all I was in that uh, bottom fourth of the class that made the upper three-fourths look good. So they should have sent me a thank you note because I made them look good. So they, they were leaving me. But I was a plotter. There were some that they were much smarter than me. And maybe it came too easy for them. But that first year... They spent more time in the sub and playing dominoes and going to parties in the evening instead of doing their assignments, cutting class because they didn't feel like getting up early the next morning. And even though their IQ would have been much larger than mine, much higher, they would flunk out of class, out of school. I'm thinking of one individual, again, a very close one. He was one of the very first friends I made in Lubbock in the sixth grade. And, uh, golly, he was smart. And he got out in the real world one year, and he decided he didn't want to spend the rest of his life digging ditches. He was working on pipelines, and he was out there. Yeah, he made pretty good money, but it sure was tough. So he came back to college. And he made a go of it. But he had to go through that experience. You and I have the same things in life in regarding Jesus Christ. Some people pick up the message of Jesus Christ quicker than others. They know it from early stages. And then it comes to others later on in life. And surely you remember the lesson that that was taught by Jesus, he was talking about the uh, farmhands and the, the landowner paid those that went on the first shift, probably about 7 o'clock in our world, paid them X dollars. Then he hired some more for lunch. Paid them the same thing he did the first ones. And then he hired some about 3 o'clock and he paid them the same thing. And the first ones got upset. And the landowner said, wait a minute, haven't I done what I told you I'd do? I paid you exactly what I said I would. So what's your complaint? What I do with my money is my money and my business. And in like manner, the message there is, if we go to Jesus Christ as a very young person, 
There's salvation for us. And if we come to Jesus Christ later on in life, just like the thief on the cross with Jesus, Jesus told him he would be in his paradise that day because he accepted Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't quiz him on how many sins have you done in the last 40 years? What was the toughest one? What was the easiest one? Was it speaking evil of people or did you actually kill somebody? Did you steal? He didn't quiz him. We go around and we carry that sack of sins. For we wonder how in the world God can forgive us. Surely if he knew the sins that we had committed, he would not forgive us. Oh, how naive we are. He not only knows the ones that we have committed, He knows the ones we will commit. And He loves us unconditionally. He loves His children unconditionally. Jesus used a parable. He said, how many of you that if your son asked for bread would give him a snake. We can add a better visual and say a rattlesnake. Who would do that? Your son is wanting bread for nutrition and you give him a snake. Who would do that? How much more love does our Lord in heaven have for each of us? We know of our love. Jackie's heart is hurting because these two guys are fixing to go to college. My daughter and that family is really hurting because my oldest granddaughter is going to be going to Virginia this next week. I was down there a couple of days just so I could hug her neck because I won't see her again until Christmas. But as much as I love my granddaughter, as much as her, her mother and daddy and sister love her, Jesus Christ loves more. And she will turn to Jesus Christ just like Daisy did. She will find Christians that will surround her and there will be strength. And you see, yeah, I ran quite a while in one spot. You've seen tires you just spin. I wasn't fast enough to burn rubber, but it took me a while. But it doesn't make any difference when you're coming to Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference. The point is you came to Jesus Christ. You came to Him for whatever reason. And we probably all have our reasons. But we came to Jesus Christ. Do we stumble and fall? We do. We make those mistakes. Does he still love us? You betcha. You betcha he does. Each and every one of us. I'd like to read to you about some folks that had a tough time. You may say they were slow starters also. It was the Hebrews. The Hebrews were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Now remember, God had promised them their own country with Abraham. 
but he also predicted this 400 years. Moses comes along and with all of these miracles, and they were not magic. Don't think of it as a magician. The things that took place could have only taken place by God himself. Eventually, Pharaoh released his people. What's the first thing they start doing? Complaining. Complaining. They have their freedom, but they're still complaining. Their feet are sore for they had to walk and uh, they didn't have enough food. And one complaint after another. And then they're right there by the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh's army because he changed his mind once again. Moses opens up the sea. The Israelites walk to the other side. And as Pharaoh's army enters the sea, it collapses on them. You would think, even as slow as I am, not just running, but as slow as I am, I would even understand, hey, this God is an awesome God. I'm going to play on His team. But again, they started complaining. And when He takes them to the promised land, when Moses does, they don't have the courage to enter it. They sent ten scouts in, and only two came back and said, we can take this. And because of that, the Israelites walked desert, eating manna, and just the same diet over and over again for 40 years. Not a single one of those that were complaining and those eight scouts that went in, none of those individuals were allowed to enter the Holy Land. Not even Moses, even though he believed. But Joshua and Canaan. They entered the promised land because those were the two scouts that came back and with faith they said, yes, we can take this. We can take it. Moses passed away and so the torch, as you might say in today's terminology, was passed to Joshua. In the 21st chapter, the 43rd verse, so the Lord gave Israel... All the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. No one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's Good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Our Lord is still in the miracle business. Right, Jeanette? Right, Mark? Still in the miracle business, and I say amen as well. He didn't quit taking care of his people back there, the Israelites. He didn't stop doing that. He didn't stop doing it after Jesus was crucified. 
He didn't stop after the disciples were martyred and killed in very vicious ways. He didn't quit because He loves us unconditionally. He loves us. Are there a lot of individuals that do not believe there's a God? Yes. Your assignment, my assignment, just like this college student's assignment, not just for tonight, but for always, is to tell people about Jesus Christ. And there is a fertile field out there. And if this isn't big enough a challenge for you, why don't you go, say, to California? Got plenty of people you can work with and work on. But we're not to be judgmental, but what we're to do is tell them about Jesus Christ and His love. And no matter what they've done in the past, and this is what I find is a problem when talking to someone that's, I just can't believe he would forgive me for all of my sins. I can't believe that all I have to do is confess my sins and I am forgiven. You and I know because we've read the Bible and we believe every word that's in it. We know it to be true. It's not that we hope it's true. It's not like, I think I'm going to have salvation after I'm baptized. No, it's that I know I'm going to be saved. I know that I will be with Jesus Christ. I know I will see my family. It's not I hope and I think. That's too vague. I know it. That's what I have that I'm looking forward to. And what you're looking forward to. In the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, this 37th verse. No. N-O. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We have these issues. It's not just... Jeanette and Mark and Wayne, we all have issues that are challenging. And I have grown to to love this statement. I I never heard it before I came here. But when you're asking for healing, you have those different stages. One healing is, yes, they can get up and walk around and they'll be just like before. That's the healing I got. There can be another one in that somebody that's a diabetic that will have to take the medicine the rest of their life, but they'll be able to get around. Others have more disabling conditions. I never will forget. I never will forget Bill Clausen coming up here and bringing up his oxygen every Sunday. He would run in there and sit right in here. And after every message, he would be back there. He'd say, I see you found another one. Right, Kathy? And your mother, she carries that on. She carries it on. So that family have always been encouragers and they've never been quitters. And the last healing, the best healing... It's what Bill, Bud Kidd will found. It's up there. 
As I look around, I see those of you that we've done funerals together, and they're well, they're healthy, and they're with Jesus Christ. We have that faith and that knowledge because we have Jesus Christ's Word, and it cannot be broken. The fourth chapter, 2 Corinthians, the 16th verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, outwardly we are wasting away. I just told Dorothy, those stairs seem to be higher and steeper back there at that baptistry than they were when I started 10 years ago. I don't know who changed the, the, uh, the loft on it, but surely they have, because my legs were a little bit shaky this morning. As we get older, our body has issues. But our heart is just as fresh as it was the day we accepted Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, mine gets stronger and stronger. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice about anything. Boy, that was hard for me to get that one down. It took me a long time to study that one, to understand that he was not saying, God, thank you for this illness that's requiring a helicopter to lift me out of here. That's not what I was saying thank you for. But thank you, Lord, for being with me. Thank you for being with these, the pilot and the trauma nurses. Thank you for the doctors. And thank you, dear Lord, that I'll have another testimony for Jesus Christ. Forever and ever. So we might start out slow, but it makes no difference. Gerald, I just put away a couple of my tabs, so you're okay. You're good. <laughs> Always makes him nervous when he looks in my Bible and sees all these tabs. Uh, it makes no difference when you start. The important thing is you start. It makes no difference if you're a scholar. It doesn't make any difference if you write books. What counts is your love for Jesus Christ and that you will share your love for Him. And as I look here, I see so many of you that have a personal testimony. And I could see you sitting down in something like a restaurant, a little square table for four, and sharing your story. Or the students at the sub or roommate that is doubting. The opportunities that he gives us to witness for him. I can see that. And what a joyful message. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is real. And Jesus Christ has taken my sins... And he, when he hung on that cross. See, there were those that thought 
we'll crucify Jesus. We'll roll this big old rock over the tomb, and that will be the end. What they did not realize, three days later he arose, and no, it was not the end. It was just the beginning. The beginning of the message that changed the world. Jesus Christ lives. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. This message that we can all take with us, whether we're going to college campuses, whether or not we're going to Amarillo, to, to Dallas, Texas, wherever we're going, the, the word of Jesus Christ is just as relevant each and every place. Thank you, Lord, for that love, that unconditional love that is the message that this world desperately needs. Jesus Christ lives. Jesus Christ lives. Amen.